0: are going to continue reading through Dating with a Purpose by Dr. Jack Scott. Um Many of us, that attended House Anderson lovingly called it Dating with a Porpoise." In fact, if I remember right, I think, I'm sure it was required reading, but I think like there was a class, I don't think he taught it, but I think there was a class that like kind of broke down this book. If I remember right, or maybe it was just required reading, but feel free to correct me. I have uh, Jack on the, uh, the IMAGs behind me, no. That you guys so graciously helped to purchase uh, for the podcast behind me. So we're gonna get into I believe it's chapter three um, let me double check yes chapter three defraud not one another. So we're gonna get into chapter three of dating with a purpose. again I do like to preface these and let you guys know that I will be cursing I cannot hold it back I've tried I just get so worked up reading these things uh, for many reasons one the fact that I used to actually believe this shit uh, there you go. And two, uh, just how sexist and unkind in general these, these books are that we're reading through this and uh, reading through uh, Bob Hooker's Romance and Marriage, Keeping the Flame Alive. So as we read through them, I want you guys to have those disclaimers of, hey, there's going to be some, some cursing, there's going to be some talk of sexuality. So again, most of the stuff here, unless you see Chloe on the thumbnail, it's, it's not for the kids. <laughs> and even then, like I don't know what, what value they derive from. Uh, her painting or whatever, whatever we're doing in, in an episode. We need to do another one with her, don't we? So, um, anyways, there's that. There's a couple other things. Uh, the condescension is real. They're, they're, these books are really based on you being super dumb when it comes to dating, when it comes to relationships and marriage. And that's, that's what we're taught, really. Like, we're taught as teenagers and young adults, we're taught very, very little about dating. You know, all we know is we need to stay... really all you need to know is that you need to stay pure and that teenage dating is bad. That's it, pure till marriage, by the way. Purity culture is really big uh, So those for the IFB. So those those things are the things you need to know to keep in context with this. The other thing you need to keep in context is that inside of the IFB, inside of that subculture, the man is the man. Um, and the woman is just kind of along for the ride. Um, she should She's to be submissive. Um, you know, he's supposed to take care of her, but, you know, she's not meeting his needs and he looks elsewhere, like, you know, she kind of had it coming. thats I don't know how much of that Jack will get into, but clearly he believed that. So, without further ado, chapter 3, Defraud Not One Another, farts, farts, starts with 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 7. For God hath not called us unto uncleanliness, but unto holiness. It is not uncommon for me to counsel dating couples who get into serious moral trouble by accident, he puts in quotation marks okay. <laughs> Often it wasn't an accident we needed, but okay. Often these are really fine Christian young people with good standards and wonderful testimonies. They were not seeking to do wrong, nor were they the kinds of couples who were in need of constant supervision. No, who is? <laughs> okay. Often these are couples who were trusted, respected, and usually very responsible. What happened then? Why do good people do bad? You tell me. <laughs> the answer is they defraud each other. They allow themselves to get into situations where the strongest of Christians and the noblest of Christians is not strong enough to turn away. Let me share some very practical rules, oh yay, the rules to follow to prevent defrauding. Number one, have a curfew. As the evening gets later, the morals become looser. No, as the, dr- I wouldn't even call it morals. I would call it, uh, you know, want to get loose. Just get loose, not moral get looser. I mean, if there's drinks flowing, maybe, may, but I don't know. What some couples should never think of at 7.30 p.m., they will do at midnight. It's the sex. They will do the sex. So at a curfew, and then be in 10 or 15 minutes before curfew. I would suggest a curfew no later than 10.30, which was, ironically, our curfew at college. So there's that. We'd all be by the mailboxes congregating until 10:30. Then, bam, Stubbs would come by. Uh, Stubblefield David, right? Would come by and kick us out. Um, I would suggest a curfew no later than 10:30 p.m. for high school teens and 11 p.m. for college age. We didn't even get that, Jack. You made us do 10:30 at college. We could still later for work. Yes, of course, stay up later for work. But dating is 10:30. We had to be back in our dorm rooms. Don't touch. Number two. <laughs> Don't touch. Again, it is the. It's not just purity culture, it's fundamentalist purity culture, which takes it a step further and says you can't even touch the opposite sex until the night before your wedding. And that's not because you had sex the night before your wedding, which seems reasonable. Don't touch. I mean, don't kiss, hug, hold hands, etc. There never has been a couple who held hands and was content to stop with that. Of course not, because we are human beings. Why would you want to stop with that? I am a firm believer in staying several steps away from danger. Let me lodge it with you for a moment. The Bible is very clear about not committing adultery or fornication. Mm-hmm. Modern teens refer to it crudely as going all the way. Now it's even more crude, Jack. We call it fucking. Purity, so he has a little like diagram here. Purity is at the top, then holding hands, then hugging, then kissing. Then necking and petting. I still can't get over necking and petting. Oh, I should have started up here. Okay, purity, holding hands, hugging, kissing, necking and petting, and then he has a broken heart. It says ruined testimony. What testimony did you like? What kind of? It's just an IFB testimony. That's it. So some of the Bible verses which God wants us to guard our purity, which prove God wants us to guard our purity, are Exodus 20, 14, Old Testament, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Oops, Jack. Fuck that one up. First Corinthians 6.18 instructs us to flee fornication. Fuck that one up too. And Hebrews 13.4, the Bible says, Whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. This is how he's going to judge everyone else, technically. Right? So, liars he will judge? Or he was not going to judge liars, just whoremongers and adulterers. Get it right. For this is the will of God that ye should abstain from fornication. 1 Thessalonians four three. God, I don't miss having to know all this Bible shit. However, before a couple commits an immoral sexual act, they're engaged in heavy kes- kissing and touching, commonly referred to as necking and petting. Not anymore. Again, that's an, maybe it's an old phrase. I think it's more of an IFB phrase. Someone feel free to correct me if it's just old, not actually IFB. And I will, I will, uh, I'll see that, and I'll raise you, Jack. There are people that have sex that have not kissed and held has before. It is interesting to note that in 1 Corinthians 7.1, God wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. That word touch means a touch that lights the fire. I'm sure you looked it up in the Greek. The fire here refers to the fire of sexual desire. The Bible teaches that only married couples are allowed to stir up a sexual desire. Oopsie. And that fire is started by touching. Paul then continues by saying that marriage is the only place where that kind of touching is allowed. Oops before the necking and petting stage there is some hugging and kissing and before the hugging and kissing stage the couple is holding hands stroking an arm or face etc yeah it's called being in a romantic relationship with someone that you care about that's what it is it's not this wicked terrible sin thing now let me ask you a question jack says oh god <laughs> the next the next one this is a dating book the next one it's called the next heading says wrong exit <laughs> Do with that as you will, but my mind went places. All right. Before we get to that, though, well, now let me ask you a question. If you want to be absolutely certain that you do not commit fornication, where is the wisest place to stop getting? Where is the wisest place to stop getting physical? If you're honest, you would agree that the best place to stop is to not get physical in the first first place. That is dumb English. Like that just doesn't. Yeah. Stop it by not doing it. Just say don't do it. It's pretty easy. Wrong exit. Interstate 94 is a major highway near where I live connecting Chicago, Illinois Chicago, Illinois, with Detroit, Michigan. Ah, yes, crossing state lines. Very familiar. Suppose you see me get off at the exit mark, Detroit, Michigan. You would rightly assume that I probably was headed in the direction of Detroit, even though I might not go all the way to Detroit. If you stopped me, asked my destination, and I said Chicago, you would be confused. You would probably tell me I was headed in the wrong direction to go to Chicago. And you would be right. I'm trying to do a Chicago accent. I can't hear it. And you would be right. Let me ask you a question. Stop asking me questions. How far toward Detroit must I go to give you the impression that I am not heading to Chicago? Not very far. My simple act of turning off on the exit mark to Detroit tells you that I'm not intending to go to Chicago. And when you get on the exit that leads to impurity, you are not sending a clear signal that you want to wind up in the city of purity. Then, too, you never know how far you can go and still stop. Passion is like an avalanche. Once it starts, there is no stopping it. That is not true. It is like dynamite. It takes only a little match to start a devastating explosion. I mean, yeah, okay. Suppose for a moment that you and your date decide that you will stop right before you commit fornication. Let's all or don't, let's also suppose that just one time you slip one step and cross over your line. You have now committed a horrible sin of immorality. That's it. You're done. You're no good. And that's the crazy ironic thing to me about the whole IFB purity culture fundamentalist system of dating is, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, and then once you do it, then there's a lot of condemnation and you're a real shit person. As not as a not the dynamic of pastor, youth pastor, or person in leadership doing it with uh, either an underage or an of age woman in the church. That's different. Then the woman is shamed. It's all her fault. She has to stand up and apologize. The man is shuffled to a different position or. Just a different position at the church, but generally a different position in a different church. But in the, in the construct of, oh, well, you were dating and you messed up, yes, there's a lot of condemnation. But then all of a sudden, all the fucking sudden, now this big mystery of, oh, what's God's will for my life? And who will I marry? And, and how will my life turn out? Now it's all solved in an instant because now you had sex with them and now they are God's will for your life suddenly. That's a, that's a real thing. That's a real dynamic. That's a thing that they still do to this day. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, you did it? Well, no. Now it's fine. You just have to marry them now. That's the first person you had sex with. And now you have to marry them. That is not... If, if that worked out for you, and I know there are people that it worked out for, I am so happy for you. But it's very rare. And so to say, like, oh, well, you had sex with them. Now you got to marry him, That's That's not a death sentence. But that can really drag... Years of your life, drag out years of your life and make your life very difficult. If that person really isn't the right one, there's a good chance they're not. Just throwing that out there, Jack. Okay, now I completely lost my place. Now suppose another couple sets their line at holding hands. They, too, have a weak moment and cross over that line. Their sin, holding hands, which guilt would you rather take to the marriage altar? None of it, Jack. Take none of the guilt to the marriage altar because there should be no guilt involved Unless you've done something by your own personal moral standards or criminally wrong. That is the only reason you take guilt to the marriage all Not because you had sex. Get the fuck out. Number three. Don't feed your mind with a lifestyle that contradicts your dating standards. You won't keep your commitment to purity if you feed on the sexual indecency of television, rock music, romance novels, or trashy magazines. That 17, I tell you what, it'll fuck you up. No, man. Don't feed your mind with a lifestyle that uh, contradicts your dating. Again, you are being held to impossible dating standards. I'm not saying, okay, I shouldn't say impossible, near impossible. Some people have done it, okay? But you're holding these, yourself to these ridiculous standards. It's not on you for doing it, you were told to do it. But you're holding yourself to these so standards. Of course, every magazine, every, like, again, he's trying to, you know, demonize culture, really is what he's doing. However, you don't even have to go that far to see that. This is clearly not a good, this is not working, this is not a good idea. Why? Because I can't can't hold myself to these standards. They're ridiculous. It's it's nuts. And it's not just the wickedness of rock music or trashy magazines. It's everywhere. It's normal relationships that you see going on all around you. Number four, don't begin reading books that address the physical aspect of marriage more than three months before your wedding date. I broke that rule too. Number five, don't be alone with your date in a car or in a house. And this is a big, big thing in the IFB that fucks up men and women alike. Because you're taught from a very young age that you can't... Like you see the, the lengths to which this guy is telling you you must go to not be guilty when you walk down the wedding altar? This is nuts. This is insanity. And so we carry guilt with us anyways. And that happened, and that, that guilt can, and I, and I need to do a whole episode on this, but I'm just gonna take a moment and just talk about this for just a second. That guilt is real. That guilt is not everlasting, but it is very long lasting. And it sticks with you for years and years and years, past possibly the expiration date of the, the person that you married inside the IFB. past the expiration date of you even leaving. I'm pretty speaking from personal experience past the expiration date of you leaving the IFB, leaving all that behind, going to therapy, all this. I'm not just speaking from personal experience, though I am speaking from personal experience. I'm speaking from the experiences of others who have shared this with me. This guilt, this shame continues. And it puts you in a place where just having a regular conversation with the opposite gender can become difficult. Because if they get what you think is flirty and in reality, they're just being nice to you, you get weird and awkward. You can't give that coworker a hug when they're having a bad day. When someone died in their family. When you know the list goes on. You can't, you know, sit alone in a break room with that female employee. You don't have devious thoughts. You're not thinking of doing something you shouldn't. You're just thinking, oh, I can't be alone with this person because they're because the, they have a vagina and I don't. They have a penis and I don't. No, that's that's silly. But it's so ingrained because it's taught to us. At a very young age and we have to perpetuate it upon our own children or upon those the younger people the younger generation that we're supposed to teach to do the right thing it is really lodged in there and if you still feel that if that's still a problem for you understand <laughs> that it's a problem for a lot of us i'm not trying to make it worse or make you feel bad about it i'm just saying it's okay to have that hang up we can work through it is a big help having some regular relationships whether they're romantic or not just regular work relationships, or relationships with people of the opposite gender, or the same gender, if that's if that's who you are attracted to. Having those normal relationships outside a romantic relationship can help you expand your 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 social acuity, if you will, your your ability to exist as a human normally. It's not easy, and it sounds silly. Oh, that's weird. Like you can't hug you can't hug a girl. Like no, I'm still weird about that shit. It's a real thing. Number six, don't date when you are tired and weary. Honestly, yeah, I agree with that. Why? This is going to be a shitty date. It's not going to be a fun night. You already had it planned, and they get it. Have them come over, Netflix and chill, whatever. But I get it. But this is not what he's saying. Your morals break down as your physical energy wears down. Let your limits be known to your date, not harshly and unkindly, but firmly and sincerely. If your date's limits differ from yours, you should both decide to abide by the stricter of the two, or you should decide not to date. And your parents should be told if there's a difference in your parents st- oh, everything. There is a difference in your standards so that they might be able to work on a solution. Can't trust those damn kids, I'll tell you what. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Philippians four five. If one partner becomes physically aggressive, the other partner must take a stand by reminding them of their prior commitment to purity. Again, let's make sure not let's my preaching now. I want to be sure that we're, we're defining this properly in the construct. I'm not talking about a physical assault. I'm not talking about sexual assault. That's not what this is referring to. It's just saying like someone decides, you know, hey, we're both okay with holding hands, necking and petting, fucking, whatever it is. I would like to do that. Okay, I would not like to do that. Okay, that's fine. That's a conversation you can have. But again, it's a ridiculous standard to hold yourself to. If the aggressor does not change immediately, ask it to be taken home. Or leave immediately. Sure, you just put someone in a tough spot. There will be times when one or the other of you is weaker. This does not necessarily mean that the person is bad. Yes, it does. And by your standards, it does mean that the stronger one must leave immediately, as did Joseph in the Old Testament. Throw that coat. After the weaker one has calmed down and had time to think about the matter, there should be an apology and a recommitment of extra caution to pure standards. Been there, done that, doesn't work. I would much rather that my daughter slap a man's face if he tries to touch her. Well, yeah, I would, too, if she doesn't want him to, and work out their hurt feelings later than to have them guilt-ridden because they defi- he loves that guilt. They defile themselves. Use a chaperone system when dating. <laughs> Thank God for the chaperone that I had in college. <laughs> she just let us go. Um, this does not mean that a dating couple must have a little sister or brother or anyone else Breathing down their neck constantly. Certainly there can be there can and should be times when the couple is allowed to be alone in public, not in private. Riding bicycles, taking public transportation, walking down neighborhood streets, eating at a restaurant, walking through a shopping mall, and such are all proper ways for a couple to be alone. Without really being alone. You've gotta be kidding me. <laughs> there should be many group dates. No, there should not. However, especially during the early stages of dating. Also, there could be double dating as long as a sec- second couple has the same commitment to purity. <laughs> You're not helping me. Well, you could do this, but there's a stipulation. You could do that, but and this is fine too. But also, dude, just let people date. Fuck. Basically, using a chaperone system means you are going to be accountable to someone other than yourselves. There's no accountability when in a car alone. There's no accountability when in a house alone. With a mouse alone. In a box alone. With a fox alone. Would you, could you, in the dark? Eat them, eat them, here they are. This is not green eggs and ham. Number 10, never trust yourself. I suppose this point sort of summarizes all the previous points. Man, could we have led with that one? We are all made of flesh. We all have certain weaker moments. We all need all of the help we can get to walk to our wedding day pure. No, we don't. Don't be so proud that you don't think you are capable of committing the worst of sins. Number 11, plan your days. Really, this is with the condescension again, like, yeah, no, of course, it's a, it's a date. You have to plan it. By virtue of it being a date, it must be planned. Now, what he's probably going to get into, and I haven't read this yet in, in the last 20 years, what he's probably going to get into is, like, making sure that, you know, there's not unscheduled time or that, like, you know, you don't get into any petting situations because of your date. However, yes, of course you have to plan your date. I've planned tons of dates. Uh, not that I'm begrudging that, although <laughs> that's how it just came up. Unplanned dates are one of the biggest causes for physical defrauding. It's easy for couples with weak self-discipline and little creativity to get physical. Let's get physical. I like that. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's a Tom Segura, your mom's house, Garth Brooks, the whole thing. If you're not familiar with that, totally get it, but that's what that is. Uh, <laughs> it's easy for couples. Yes, I read that. Pure couples must work hard to plan each date. That doesn't sound like fun. And be creative to prevent the boredom that often leads to defrauding. Work hard to stay pure. Oh thank you. Number twelve, dress modestly and appropriately, especially you guys. That's, I'm probably showing too many one of my three fingers that I'm oh man, I'm I don't think I'm doing good with the three fingers, am I? Damn. Alright, dress mod or is it four? What is it? No, it would be three or two, right? It wouldn't be more. Okay. Um, how you dress determines how you act. Sloppy dress equals careless actions. and modest dress equals impure actions. Proper dress equals proper actions. See a trend here as far as what, what you're wearing? Is anyone is anyone thinking what I'm thinking? It's not funny, it's ironic though. The whole, what was she wearing when that happened to her? That, that, that whole phrase, that idea that uh, women can cause men to the gamut, right? From having an impure thought to doing something criminal like it's their fault for how they dress it's the same exact principle that jack is putting forth there 100 percent the same so that was chapter three uh defraud uh, defraud not is that what I said? But let me let me look back at it defraud not one another that was chapter three and again i just love it when he gets into like the uh, point one two three four five like there because it's all and like he said he summarize summarizing on point that well it's all that to say this well then just say that Lead with that make it a shorter chapter but again, this just gives you a uh, really good insight into the unbelievable legalism that exists and that pervades this subculture of the IFB where it's, again, let's be real. I'm a father. Chloe is seven. At some point, she's going to date. At some point, she's, sorry, if you're not watching, if you're listening, I've got Jack Scott playing behind me. <clears throat> on uh, YouTube, and like he's every once in a while he gets after, her and I can see it. And I can't help but just mimic a little bit. <laughs> Back to what I was saying. So, I'm a father of a daughter. She's gonna want to date. This is gonna be tough for me. I am fully aware. She is to me a perfect little person, and for some guy to want to take her out to dinner, to want to have an evening alone with her, that's gonna be a real problem for me. But I'm not gonna be Jack Scott. And I'm not going to make this whole dating thing become this incredibly arduous chore of make sure that you do everything just by these standards in just this certain way. Like, uh, like yeah, there should be, there should, you know, you want to be safe. You want to make sure that, you know, your your child, people that, you know, are, are under your authority in a church, for instance, like that they're practicing being safe and not, not just safe sex. I mean, you know, be safe with who you're going out with, where you're going, make sure you plan it well and, and uh, you know, make sure that the person that you're with is someone that you actually want to be with and it's not a pressure thing. But those are all real-world things, not this whole don't neck and don't pet and don't hold hands because then you will be impure and you will be guilty on your wedding day. No, that's terrible. Inside the IFB, we already carry massive amounts of guilt because it's our fault that the world is going to hell, right? And, and and we have to be, not necessarily that it's our fault, but like we have to be the ones to save the world and we have to be the ones to read our Bible. We don't read our Bible enough. There's guilt. Like there are layers on layers on layers. I'm going the wrong way of guilt already put upon us as young people in the IFB. Then you add on to it. Oh, also those natural urges that you have. Not again. Not criminal. Not unkind. Not uh, manipulative. Just hey, I, I'm attracted to this person, and they're attracted to me, and we want to be together sexually no you will be guilty you will feel you must feel guilty just about those urges you don't even have to act on them to feel guilty so all I'm getting at is this it is sad and terrible that people are still doing this to teenagers to adolescents to young adults but they're still guilting them into this space of you can't you know you can't do anything about your attraction to the opposite again, within reason with with consent i'm not trying to say run roughshod over someone because you like them i'm saying it is sad to me that young men and women are being guilted for their natural desires that's terrible anyways this was not an encouraging episode i am sorry about that but i hope you enjoyed this episode of Night mother's podcast a special little uh minisode or whatever you want to call it um the story time with Stu continues I hope you're enjoying. If you're not, that's fine. I'm not sure why you're still watching. But uh, if you are enjoying, I'm glad to hear that. Would love to get a comment or two from you uh, or shoot us a DM, shoot me a private message. Let me know what you're thinking. If there's something you'd like to add to this conversation, if, uh, you know, there's there's something that you heard that that, uh, kind of jogged your memory you want to talk about, man, let us know. We'd love to talk about it with you in the comments or via private message. Thank you so much for watching this episode of Not Your Mother's Podcast.